Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. I'm Mara Carabella. Welcome back to Inside Sources. This next topic, I just tell you, we need to talk more and more about this, which is mental health. Um, The University of Utah's Huntsman Mental Health Institute released its annual community crisis report. It showed just how bad the mental health crisis has become in our state. And today um, we were able to be joined by Dr. Mark Rappaport, who is the CEO of the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. He spoke earlier with Inside Sources to talk about what's happening and how people can find help. So I want to start with a section in which Dr. Rappaport referred to today's mental health crisis as a second pandemic. The COVID pandemic has certainly caused a second pandemic. That's the pandemic of need for mental health and substance use care here in Utah and throughout our country. So I want to keep going with this because next, uh, the next part of this conversation, he explained to us how the pandemic has specifically brought mental health to the forefront of the national conversation. What's happened is that the pandemic has, I think, brought to the forefront mental health challenges, and it's done so in two ways. We've always had um, very high prevalence of depression and anxiety and substance use disorders, but essentially what's happened is that it hasn't been a subject of, of, of much discourse or conversation Um, on a local, regional, or national basis. People have been afraid to talk about the fact that they were anxious or depressed or were using substances or using alcohol more than they knew they should. People felt ashamed of that. But what's happened with the second pandemic are two things. One is that even more people are having problems with anxiety and depression and survivor guilt and PTSD as well as substance use disorders. Even more people are dying of overdose. And what's happened is because of that, it's become something that we're beginning to talk about. So I wanna just linger here for a minute and and sort of contemplate why we treat physical health different than mental health. And, you know, particularly in our children who have been on the front lines of the pandemic, anywhere from isolation to the stress of learning online or the stress of an, uh, being unsure and just the mental weight that we have every day. You know, earlier in the top of the news, we heard that we hit yet another hallmark of how many people are sick and just the notion of being sick and ill, the weight that that has on our, our mental health and how interesting it is that if, if, if our child um, had a, 
had a long-term problem um, or whether they had a bug or whether they had a broken leg, we wouldn't think twice about sharing the status of their physical health. And yet we're apologetic in some ways of our mental health. And, the, and there's no reason that um, we should be. The care and maintenance of it and the empowering choices that you have. Um, I think one big misnomer is that if you go and reach out to a therapist, that there's something wrong with you. So, you know, if I have a broken leg, would I say there was something wrong with me? Well, perhaps I would, but not with the same social weight. <laughs> so um, therapy can be short term. There can be an exploration of grief. Um, it can certainly be a powerful way to build skill sets, um, to build behavioral changes and actually just learn skills and learn coping mechanisms. So it could be a matter of a short run of a few weeks, um, if not months. It doesn't have to be a forever proposition and it can just be a part of our care and maintenance. But we wanted to dig a little deeper and, and, and ask Dr. Rappaport for specific solutions about um, how we can, how different people can go and find help when they're struggling with these issues. And, and here's some of the advice that he gave us. Remember that we've got that Utah warm line, and that's precisely what the warm line is about. You know, it's, a, it's about talking to somebody about um, a need or a desire to get help. And it's about um, getting from the warm line um, some of the resources available, the places where one can reach out and, and find a counselor or a social worker or a, a, a mental health professional um, to, to help with that. Another thing to do is to, uh, it's absolutely okay to go into one's physician's office and, and say, hey, we're having problems with depression or something else. Um, and those physicians should be able to begin to intervene and also begin to guide one towards directions where help would be available. So I, I want to be, I want to enunciate a little what he said. He said a warm line, W-A-R-M line. <laughs> uh, it was sort of hard to understand. And I'm going to just give you the number while you're sitting and listening. It's 801-587-1055, 801-587-1055. That is a direct line. But you know, it's just like you find any other help. You can Google it. There are search engines like Psychology Today. You can read the biographies and see the pictures. And um, most therapists kind of make a personal statement about how they approach things. And you'll find that you'll read one and uh, it won't appeal to you and you'll read another. And then the other advancement is teletherapy. And so if you're someone who would prefer to sit at home and your own safe, secure space without anyone seeing what you're doing, you could find great telehealth um, resources for therapy and psychiatry online. And you could just get on, you know, a Zoom call, a telecall with a mental health expert. And again, this could be short term or long term. But I do think taking care it would only be normal for all of us to feel stress during this pandemic. And, and I'm caught by the top of the news as it should be as pandemic, the middle of the news and the end of the news. And this has so absorbed our public spaces and our political spaces that I think it's really important that we're also aware and paying attention to keeping our mental health and not worrying about that and, and whether it's in the short run or the long run. Um, I'm going to do one more cut uh, to close with, with Dr. Rappaport, and he looks on the brighter side and shares some advice on moving forward. 
what's good is because of research, we have more and more treatments available that are really effective to treat people. But what we have to get over is the stigma and the fear and the embarrassment and the shame that somehow we have linked to having diseases of the most complex organ system in the body. But they're diseases where we have evidence-based psychotherapies that work, medications that work. We have somatic treatments like repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation that work. So there's a lot of opportunity available for people to get good help today. What great advice and what a great reminder to take care of ourselves, take care of our family and our children as we live through this unprecedented time of a a global pandemic. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and on a happy note of a life well lived. Senator Harry Reid is lying in state at the U.S. Capitol today. We will talk to someone who has known him well for many years, and that is our own U.S. Senator Mike Lee. He will join us in this next section to share his memories of one of the most influential politicians of the 21st century. Stay tuned. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.